It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. Here with me, as always, in the KFG studios, my business partners and friends, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Yeah, financial planning when you're single is different than it is for a married couple. So what areas are more important and what areas might be less important or could you pay less attention to? And what are some of the common mistakes that single people make in their financial life that you need to stay clear of? So that and questions from the fans of the show coming up in this hour of Wise Money. That's right. we got a great question about long-term care insurance and taxes. We're going to hit. It's a little confusing, so we'll get to that in the second half of the program. If you have a question, you can reach out to us a few different ways. Find us online, wisemoneyradio.com, and you can submit a question right there on the right. You can call or text, and honestly, I know you'd rather text it, 574-222-2000. It's 574-222-2000. And then all over social media, wherever you're at, we're there too. Just search Wise Money Show, and you can submit questions there on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the YouTube channel, of course. Again, search the Wise Money Show. All right, we are wrapping up our series today on being suddenly single and how that impacts your financial planning. Each episode has been about the difference in financial planning strategies and concepts when you're single, either after the death of your spouse or after being uh, going through a divorce. Today is another look at the difference in financial planning when you're single, but it's really it's not tied to an event like that. It's actually just how is financial planning different when you're a single individual, whether you're not married yet or really never planned to be. Yeah. So it, it's very interesting as we work with people who are single because it's a very different dynamic than when you're married. So when you're single, you the, the stakes are much higher. A lot of times for married people, if um, something happens, if there's just one person working outside the home, the other person can go to work, um, pick up uh, jobs over Christmas time at the mall, or drive for Uber or fill in the blank. So there's there's somewhat of a backstop or a cushion if you've got two income earners in the household. So we we have seen, so we, we are very biased. We believe everyone should work with a financial planner and we believe that financial planner should be certified. But if you said, well, who needs it most? Who needs financial planning more than, than anyone else? I would say it's the single person. Not so much that they need financial planning, but they need a coach. They need a, a trusted advisor that they can go to for financial wisdom because you, this may resonate with you. I found this true with myself. I personally can justify anything. Anything that. <laughs> yes, you can. I've ever <laughs> yes, tried. you can, Kevin. <laughs> Some real doozies, actually. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm the head of the justification department. Remember that time you said we should have a radio show? <laughs> Boy, that's what crazy. was I thinking? So, so the the challenge is is that you can you can, being by yourself any idea in a vacuum makes sense. So you say, well, I should do this, 
well, maybe that's a good idea, but maybe it isn't. And maybe you're, you find yourself playing checkers in the cosmic game of chess. Mm-hmm. So you should be looking three moves ahead on the board instead of just what's the next move. And so I I have one of my favorite stories. I After doing this for 25-plus years, one of my favorite stories is a client who was single, and this person came to me in 1994 with about $45,000 to their name. And they said, hey, I would like to retire at the age of 50. And that was um, that was about 20 years away. Mm-hmm. And I looked and said, that that is a very ambitious, very aggressive goal. Um, if you're committed and you're willing to sacrifice certain things along the way, it's doable, though. Do you want to do it? And this person said, yes, I do. And this person had a decent income, n- not incredible, but a, but a good income. And 20 years later, they had well north of a million dollars and were in a position to retire. Wow. And s- stayed single that entire time as well? S- stayed single the entire time. Mm, that's so amazing. It, it is amazing. And I think about this because I just met with another client who was in a similar situation who I've worked with for 20 plus years who was in the school system and this person didn't do a lot of the traditional things that people say well you need to do these things in order to you know live the American dream you need to do these things in order to uh, in some ways accumulate wealth and um, this person didn't do these things and yet They've, they've positioned themselves. And again, I, as, the, as a financial planner, I don't take credit because I didn't do the heavy lifting. I didn't do the hard work. I didn't right. run the miles. But having the opportunity to serve these people and to coach them along the way. And so when they, when they bring a question or a problem to me, I see that problem in the context of the rest of their financial life. Sure. And it's, it is more difficult for them to do, but of course it is because they don't do it all day, every day. Yeah, and that's, that's true of everybody, right? Anyone seeking financial advice, it's because hopefully their financial planner is bringing something to the table that they maybe wouldn't be able to pull off on their own. But those are fun stories when it's someone who on their own, they, it wasn't a team effort. They had to make all the sacrifices on their own. You, you kind of alluded to how the stakes are higher when you're individual, you're, you're not married, mostly because you don't have the ability to fall back on that that spouse. And to me, I, I've had the pleasure of kind of being almost an accountability partner as much as an advisor to a single individual. I, I started working with Tom when he was 21, I was 22. Ah. So we're coming up on you know two decades of knowing each other. But it's fun because he came right out of the gate with an aggressive goal, wanted to be able to retire early. And he started doing the work to put himself in that position. Mm-hmm. And it's fun because even though Tom has stayed single, we've seen other examples of someone who gets a great start and it puts them in a position where the family foundation is laid really well so that if they do become married at some point, they're they're just light years ahead of maybe where their peers would be 
just because they they made the sacrifices during the single years instead of living it up, you know, living some great bachelor life or something like that. Yeah, I've seen examples of both. And when you're prepared, when you've laid that foundation, you can make great strides financially. So so let's talk about then uh, about that then. When you're single, what are some of the most important areas in your financial life to focus on to get that head start whether you're going to be married sometime in the future or not? Yeah, and I would I would want to kind of back up f- for just a second and say when you are single, it what is crucial is developing skills to help you manage your financial life. And so I say one of those skills is writing a check to your financial coach because Joshua was talking about accountability. And a lot of times when people hear this idea of an accountability partner, they're like, well, no, I don't want to be told what to do. (laughs) But when we talk about accountability, we're just holding people accountable to what they've said they want to accomplish. So it's it's, it's kind of a cheerleading, uh, encouraging type of an approach and to say, hey, Remember how you said this was important? Is it still important? Yeah. It, because what what you're doing now is going to get you off course for that. And sometimes people say, I'm fine going off course. Well, well it's, the, it's the chief reminding officer, right? Reminding mm-hmm. them of what mm-hmm. they said was most important once upon a time, but also reminding them of those great disciplines and habits that they need to make sure they never lose sight of because the stakes are higher. Mm-hmm. Things like having a budget, and making sure you know where every dollar goes, making sure that you're maintaining adequate emergency funds. Mm-hmm. Because again, it's you and your resources to fall back on, not you and your spouse and the accumulated resources together. Yeah, I, I have found that folks that are, are single either you know before marriage or um, don't have any plans to get married are, are I don't, I don't know if you guys would see this, but very, very receptive to advice and very much more coachable. And I think it might be because they don't have someone to spar ideas off of mm-hmm. and, and to share ideas and, and, and so on. And so they're really seeking that, that type of wisdom. So what areas in your financial life are more important when you're single? What areas maybe are less important? And what are the big mistakes that you want to avoid? All that and more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Porhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. When you are single, how is your financial planning different than if you were married? Whether you plan to get married someday or really never have that intention, what are the most important areas of your financial life that you need to focus on to either lay that foundation or to consistently make progress? That's what we're talking about today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. For all the Wise Money content, you can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. And then wherever you're at in social media, we're there too. Just search the Wise Money Show and you can submit questions there and you can catch up on all the content that we're pushing out here from the Wise Money Show. All right. What are, when, when you're single, what are the most important areas in your financial life that you need to focus on. You guys know that there's six areas to everyone's financial life. When you're single, are there some of those that take center stage? 
That's interesting. I'm curious to hear your answers on this one. I, if yeah. I was throwing my votes out there. Can I just – so just real quick. I just want to run are you, through – Are you interrupting? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the six areas – because people are saying, well, what are the six areas of financial planning? So do you want to – Go go for it. Okay. So present financial <laughs> position, protection planning, tax planning, investment planning, retirement planning, estate planning. Jashi? Okay. So of those six – which ones are most important, I think, is your question, yeah, right? I've got the answer. I, I say the first two that you mentioned, present financial position and protection planning. Oh, that's, that's interesting because protection planning is very different For when sure. you're single yeah. right, versus when you're married. And, I, and you're half right, so keep going. <laughs> I, I knew there was going to be a comment coming. <laughs> I, you know, I see these two areas as foundational. If, if you can get these right, get your balance sheet cleaned up, I, I think if you are single, it's very important for you to have liquid, accessible cash on hand. And one of the first things you should build into your financial life, some people would say uh, a first baby step is a thousand bucks. That's a little generic. I, I think it actually needs to be at least a paycheck of yours. You know, many people live paycheck to paycheck and you need to get some distance between you and financial crisis. So make sure that you've always got at least the equivalent of a paycheck on hand in an emergency fund. This is not a full emergency fund. It's just a start. Though. Yeah, that's the minimum. That's mm-hmm. right. And then, you know, another very important habit we were talking about previously, getting a budget in place. It, mm-hmm. It's really important that, you know, you have discipline and some sort of a game plan on cash flow because it is so easy, especially when there's no one who's directly holding you accountable on that cash flow. You could start spending money on things that are less important, and uh, that erodes your ability to reach your most important goals. When, when you're married, I've just seen this over nearly two decades of serving folks, when you're married, um, usually there's one spouse who has an affinity towards managing the cash flow and maybe is good at it or, or likes writing the bills and tracking all that stuff. And, and oftentimes there's one that doesn't. Sometimes neither do. But, yeah. <laughs> but when you're single, you don't have that you don't have uh, the, that at your disposal to say, well, I'm good in these areas, but I'm weaker in these. And, and maybe having a partner who is a good complement for you. And so there's no excuse. You've got to be good at cash flow management. If not, you've got to get your financial planner on the line and, and in your corner immediately before you start getting backwards so that you can build the right habits, build that right foundation. Yeah, and even if you are good at it, you still need to yeah, get your financial coach on the line because you want to identify what are the skills, what are the habits that I need to build and I would um, somewhat disagree with Josh, although I like your answer. I think your present financial position is the first one because that's the one that's going to put you in a position to have some sort of peace and some sort of confidence to be able to operate. And it, then you can use your energy. The folks that I've seen that have, uh, uh, that, that have been single their whole life and accomplished incredible things financially – it was a series of good decisions, and they at every turn they made a good decision, good decision, good decision, good decision, good decision. So it wasn't this, um, hey, I woke up one day and I was incredibly successful. It's no, I was a grinder, and I just kept at every opportunity. 
I made the right decision. Guys, there, there's never the story of I woke up and I was successful. That's yeah. never, that's never the case. Any athlete that you watch and say, I wish I could do that, will tell you the same thing. And you only know your financial life. You don't see anyone else's. We see tons. No one wakes up the next day and is all of a sudden successful. It comes from the habit. It comes from the daily grind. So I think we're, are we in agreement that the first and most important area is your present financial position? I think so. I think so, yes. Okay. Where do we diverge? So I would say the second area is tax planning because the, if you can get your present financial position correct, so you've given every dollar a name, you're tracking your spending, you're managing your liabilities, you're uh, also tracking your net worth, which again, that is a great confidence booster and a, and a discipline that some of the most wealthy clients I've ever worked with um, could show me their net worth back to age 21. Um, so you say, well, I don't really wanna, yeah, do that do that. It, it will help you more than you can imagine. But the next area is tax planning and, and not tax preparation. Because a lot of times when I'll sit down with folks and I'll say, hey, who does your tax planning? And they say, uh, um, you know, so-and-so does my taxes. I'm like, that's, that's cool. That's tax preparation. But I'm talking tax planning. Who has shown you what the opportunities are that you need to be taking advantage of so that not only today, but over your lifetime, you'll you'll pay as much as you can in taxes in the lowest possible bracket. And if you're single and have a decent income, you're in the higher brackets fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. you're, you're exactly right. Okay, so when I said protection planning, did your mind go to life insurance or home and auto insurance? Where did it go? You know where it went. Where? Disability. Okay, good. So why would you say that's not more important? It's because um, it's not my answer. <laughs> I, right. that's, I, I, that's the honesty I was looking for. Thank you. I actually, I, I thought health insurance first. I thought health insurance first because if you have, if in, when you're married, if you're if you're both working and one of the spouses d- doesn't have retirement or a health insurance plan through work, then hopefully the other one does. Or one offers a plan that maybe you don't really like or it's expensive, then you can choose the other person's. No, when you're single, it's just up to you for health insurance but it is and and many people want to roll the dice and just go without health insurance i heard that story this week someone who had an appendix removed when they had rolled the dice wow no insurance that's that's not cheap right yeah you know what is it the uh the number one cause of bankruptcy is a health related expense that pops up Mm -hmm. and usually it's because you didn't have health insurance as a catastrophic backdrop, so to speak, you know, a safety net for you. But disability is a big one. Um, You know, if if I became disabled today, I know that my wife has, you know, skills that she could go earn a living and the family's not going to starve. But I, I also know that I have protection in place to help provide an income if I can't go earn it. And when, when you don't have the spouse to fall back on, maybe you're still building up an emergency fund. There's no emergency fund out there, by the way, that can fully cover this mm-hmm. risk of a, a disability mm-hmm. because you could be disabled the rest of your life. And most emergency funds that we would encourage you to build are six months in worth of your living expenses if you're a single individual. So it, emergency fund and strong balance sheet isn't enough to really put you in a position 
where you've got a foundation, you know you can go uh, focus on building for the future because you've got a defense in place, a protection. Yeah, so over the course of your career, you're three and a half times more likely to be injured and need disability coverage than you are to die and need life insurance. And if you're single, I would look at, do I really need life insurance? Do I need life insurance to pay my student loans off at my death? Most student loans have what I would call a death put, which is they're forgiven at your death. So I, I believe that disability insurance is the, is the most important. I was in a professional office this past week, and the uh, doctors were talking about how some had disability insurance, individual policies, some didn't. Some had great ones that they'd gotten back when they were in school. And so the, the cheapest way to buy disability insurance is in a group plan, but there are some issues that come up with that as well. So I would say if you need to protect your income, get disability insurance, especially, especially if you're single. Especially if you're single because you've got to protect your income. That's that's it. That mm-hmm. Okay. So, all right. So what are the big mistakes that um, – Folks that are single, either before marriage or just because they never plan to get married, what are some of the financial mistakes that we see them make that hopefully we can help you avoid? So that and more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Kevin walked in the studio this morning and told me, hey, I've got a rant. And uh, that is on deck for us today. This is the Wise Bunny Show. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Listen, uh, just to remind you, if you're not listening on the YouTube channel, we've got every episode of the Wise Money Show right there on YouTube. Just search the Wise Money Show. We've got that as well as the vlog and other video, other content. So make sure you check us out there and subscribe to it and hit that bell for notifications as well. Okay, today we're finishing up our series on being suddenly single and how that changes your financial planning, the approach that you need to take. Now, we were just talking about what are the most important areas of those six when you're single that you really need to focus on. We all agreed that present financial position, that's the foundation. When you're single, it's on you financially. So you've got to have a stable foundation. And then protection planning, tax planning, they're all important, truthfully. And of course, so if you're if you're saving up money, it's got to be invested well. You don't want at 21 to start saving and have that good habit and have it all going into a guaranteed account, right? So making sure you're managing your investment risk, planning for retirement, the long term, of course, that's important. If I were to put one that's least important, you might want to say estate planning. But there's a trap there. And the reason why I say that is most people think estate planning, they think will. And I've got to have a guardian for my kids, and I need to direct who gets this money when something happens to me. And I've got to make sure my estate is big enough because other people are depending on me. Well, when you're single or not yet married, it's not as important. Where I'd argue with myself on that is with medical directives, advanced directives. Mm -hmm. So, Josh, can you explain that real quick and why that's important? Yeah, I mean, you're referring to this risk that if if you get conked on the head and you can't make financial or medical decisions for yourself, you have to be able to designate someone who you do authorize to do that, someone that you trust to step in and do the decision-making for you if you are not able to. And the way you do that is by drafting a power of attorney 
or the appointment of a health care representative. These are two separate documents. An attorney can help you do that. And it's part of a basic estate plan that we recommend for everybody, which also does include the last will and testament that you're referring to. But often, and this isn't true for everybody, some people are single for their entire life, right? And so they could be 60 years old and have accumulated fantastic wealth that's very complex and maybe having an important estate plan in, in place, um, a, a robust estate plan can be really crucial. But most crucial at all ages is having that power of attorney and the healthcare representative in place. Um, you you got to have your backup plan and, and authorize. It could be a parent, could be a sibling, a very close trusted friend, um, but someone who, who you're giving permission to step in on your behalf. That's right. Make sure, once again, even if you're, if you're single, not married yet, you've got to have your financial coach there to talk to you about these things because you could listen to Josh and say, that's just fear-mongering, never happens. No, we see it all the time. That stuff happens. And, and when you're single, you're not thinking about those sorts of things. I'm, I'm sure you're not. So you've got to have your financial coach in your corner who's thinking about those sorts of things so you don't have to and so that you make sure you're prepared. Yeah, I think the as a the biggest mistake a single person could make is not having a financial plan for their financial life. But there are other quick mistakes that I would want you to think about. Playing the comparison game is a huge mistake mm-hmm. and saying, "Hey, I've got to keep up with my married friends" is a huge mistake. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday not to who someone else is today. That's right, Jordan Peterson. And Absolutely so, right. And so, because here's the thing, there are things that you can do as a single person that married folks can't do, and I would focus on those things, because there are some cool things. Like we... sleep peacefully. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, okay, we, let's make that list. People can do so, that? Yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I would, and if you say, I am single but would like to be married someday, I would, I would be, very aggressive in my what do I need to do prior to marriage and have that list. Uh, all I'd have that list on my refrigerator. I'd have it on my bathroom mirror. I'd have it um, sitting next to the, the toilet. I'd have I'd have it everywhere <laughs> where I... Which you could do if you're not married. I mean, you could decorate the bathroom however you want. You leave the seat up. You can do all that stuff. <laughs> that's, so. that's the big mistake that I've seen, not to cut you off, is... When, when you're single, I don't care if you're never planning to get married or, or, or whatever, but when you're single, there's, there is a temptation to not think about the, the next life transition, yeah. whether that's getting married or whether that's retirement or whether that's whatever it is. We all go through transitions. We've done shows, series about the life transitions you go through. And so I would encourage you right now, if you're single and you're listening to this, think ahead. What's the next life transition? And are you taking steps right now in your financial life to get ready for that? Yeah. And if we're channeling JP, I would say pursue meaning, mm. not happiness. Oh. Um, and because that will make all of the difference. And if you say, what does that even mean? Come talk to a certified financial planner who can help you kind of slow down long enough because you are spending, if you don't have a financial planner, you're spending more time planning your vacations than you are spending your planning your financial life statistically. So, um, yeah, I, I would say come come talk to someone who can help you slow down long enough to 
uncover and discover some of these things. And, and of course, you know, this this is not an infomercial for Corhorn Financial Group. We can't serve everyone. So contact your certified financial planner. And, and at KFG, we have a team. We have a team of advisors, CFPs. So if you need any help or if you're listening and you know someone that is single, needs some help getting started laying the right foundation, reach out to your CFP, whether that's us or whether that's just someone else that you know who's doing comprehensive financial planning. All right. I hope this series on suddenly single, the unique financial planning uh, approach that you need to take here was was helpful. I was uh, I was listening or I was looking on YouTube for a um, for a vlog video. We're we're starting our, our vlog here, your next wise step, where it's basically one of us in front of a camera saying, "Hey, here's what's going on. Here are the things you need to do." And uh, and we came across someone who's been doing this a long time. His name is Jeff Rose. He's another financial advisor, CFP. I think he's a good guy. I've met him once. And uh, his latest video was about, what is it, the seven financial advisors he wants to punch in the face. <laughs> and, and he's got the boxing gloves on and everything. And I'm like, I'm talking to Lindsay, who helps us with marketing. She's awesome. And and I was like, ah, I don't know. That might be a little too casual for us. And seriously, the guy's in a T-shirt and boxing gloves. He's like, saying some vulgar things. If I see these financial advisors on the street, I'm going to punch them in the face or worse. And um, it reminded me, Kevin came in and said he had a rant to share about some folks that he's met with recently who have had some other experiences with financial professionals. So Kevin, kind of share a little bit what Well, just happened. to tee it up, uh, uh, this is a, a professional couple in their early 30s. And he got great advice from a mentor of his who is in the same profession in his late 50s. And what did the the old bull say to the young bull? No, Tell let's, us. No, let's walk. No, he, he said, I wish I had done that when I was in my 30s. Oh, that's, that's, that's the most common phrase. Right. Here in our office. Wish I would have started sooner. Right. Yeah, yeah. So the three words to live by, coulda, woulda, and shoulda. But you don't know, right? So um, thankfully, the his mentor is working with a certified financial planner after working with um, one that wasn't and and suffering for it. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- so this fella comes in with his with his wife and they they um, were talking about things and how we can help them and what their needs are and um, you know they said we're just trying to figure out well what is what should we do what should we do and I said well have you ever met with a financial advisor and yes we've met with a couple I said well how was that experience and they said well they kind of told us we didn't meet their minimums and to go away and build up money and then once we had a certain amount of money, we could come back and get help from them. And I said, oh, they, those, those are folks that call themselves financial advisors, but really they're just investment sellers. Yeah. Whether they sell investments for a commission or they sell investments for a fee, they're just investment sellers. And if you look at a business model, that, that's, a, that's a way more profitable model to run where mm-hmm. you say, hey, listen, Someone comes in with a holistic problem, and I'm only going to solve the piece of it that makes me the most money. Right. And it, it, it would be possible for to become kind of jaded and cynical, and I refuse to do that. But that's one of the reasons why we're stratified as a firm. Yeah. We, 
we can help anyone no matter where they are. Well, it sounds CF- like there, there are a couple that is CF- high-earning high potential, right? Right. CFPs doing comprehensive financial planning. We've got more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thanks for being with us today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you enjoy listening to podcasts, every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast wherever you listen, whether that's iTunes or Google Play or whatever. Just search The Wise Money Show, and you'll find us there every episode right there. I'd encourage you to subscribe to it, even rate it as well. Helps other people find us and find content about wise financial principles. Every episode's right there. Every episode's also on the YouTube channel as well. All right, we're transitioning into questions from fans of the show. We received a question from an anonymous listener a couple weeks ago, and, and here's what he sent it. The question about using funds from a qualified to pay for a long-term care expense, not a long-term care policy. Will it still be, tax, will it still be a tax-free event under the Pension Protection Act? Now, I got to read into it a little bit uh, to to really decipher exactly what he what what the question is here about using funds from a qualified to pay for a long-term care expense, not a long-term care policy, and whether that is tax-free under the Pension Protection Act. I'd like to take a stab at that. So, the problem with what we do and how we do it, we spend all day every day explaining things to people that don't make any sense. So this is... <laughs> and this, enjoy doing it. Yeah, it's weird. This is one of those areas that doesn't make any sense. And the question, there's a there's a word left off that, that you could go either way. So there's a, there's a qualified plan. So when you think of a qualified plan, think of a tax qualified plan. So a retirement plan or an IRA or something along those lines. So if the question is, can I take money out of my qualified plan and have it be tax-free? To pay for long-term care expenses. Right. I'm going to say the answer to that is no. But it's this is where you want to you you want to do a consult. Mm -hmm. Um, The the reality is you'll likely be able to deduct that anyway. On your Schedule A, right. possibly. Some portion of it, right. Some portion of it if you're itemizing. But that withdrawal, I don't believe, is immediately That, it, that might actually taxed. be worth explaining, though, because that's a little bit more universal concept than pulling money out of a retirement plan and being able to write it off. When, when we talk about maybe being able to deduct it on your Schedule A, remember, Schedule A is a portion of your tax return where you're trying to build up an itemized list of expenses that the government will let you take a write-off for, okay? One of them is your medical expenses. Now, the the problem is the first 10% of your overall income, I'm going to call it, it's called your adjusted gross income, gets thrown out. So first 10% of your income that goes towards medical expenses, you don't get to write off, unfortunately. But if you spill over that threshold, 
now it may be helping you build to a larger tax write-off than what the government is offering to, to everyone on a standard deduction. So it's, it's possible. Maybe you get some sort of a write-off when you're paying money to a, a nursing home, for example. A portion of the expense that you pay to the nursing home is considered medical expense. Other portion of it is your housing okay. and your food, that sort of thing. The other interesting thing, though, if, if the, if the uh, listener is saying from a qualified plan, as you're drawing that money out, that increases that overall income. That's right. Which makes that 10% threshold even a higher bar every time you... Yep. Yeah, so when you think out. when you think what did the Pension Protection Act of 2006 do for me? It lets you pull money out of your life insurance or annuities tax free. And that is that is that's a different conversation that we want to have than we want to have on the radio. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that I would say is there's also something called a tax qualified policy um, that can be eligible for a, a tax deduction. Uh, of the benefits. So if it's a qualified long-term care insurance contract, it, the what the benefit that's paid is excluded from your income. Mm-hmm. And that's this again, this gets way deep in the weeds. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a long-term care policy and you're saying, well, is mine tax qualified or not tax qualified? It, that'd be a good thing to know. It'd be it'd help you with how you plan. Yep. Um, so. And you'll want to make sure that you're getting the tax deduction if for that premium if, you, if you're eligible for one. And then the last thing, taking a stab at this, if, if it's truly just asking, well, the Pension Protection Act, I believe, allows you to take money out of a life insurance or annuity to pay for your premium, does it give you that same tax benefit if you're just paying the expenses? Not the way I read it. Right. Not the way I read it. I'm certainly not an expert in this act, um, but I believe it's the the language is such that you've got to pay for a policy that's what makes it tax exempt not if you're just paying for expenses but you know the US tax code is <laughs> apparently apparently this is the only country I've ever lived in the most complicated on the planet right? yeah well, and, and so there's exceptions to exceptions and then you know three exceptions to that yeah well I mean so. I've read parts of the financial confusion act of 2006 <laughs> and it is it's it is challenging to work your way through that all right speaking uh, of of challenging all right so Carrie's 46 from Granger she's a fan of the show has our next question what can I do to manage the cost of my auto insurance now that my daughter is getting her driver's license oh, I've got man. one I've got one don't <laughs> Uber. That's right. Uber. A bus pass. Uh, bicycle. How about uh, that Uber? One? Yes. <laughs> or um, make sure she's got friends with vehicles. I, so, and next to our next door neighbor, great folks. Uh, son is a senior at Penn on the football team, and we come home after softball practice last night, and there are just cars flooding the street. Apparently, he had some sort of after practice meeting at his house or whatever. It wasn't a party or whatever. It was. Seven o'clock or something, and I'm not kidding. There was a. Every one of these kids drove separately. And that is not how <laughs> you would never detect. When I was in high school, you'd never detect if there were a bunch of people there because there'd only be one car. <laughs> We'd all fit, but there were so many cars, and I'm not kidding. There's ones that you know had duct tape on them, and there, there were Mercedes right next to each other for yeah. these kids. So anyway, so we're we're joking a little bit, but what what can you do? Um, good student discount. Yep. That one's in your your child's control. Good student discount. Um, there are defensive driving courses that they can take that 
help re, you know give maybe a five percent discount or something like that off of the premiums. Mm-hmm. Th- those are the proactive things that you're just really kind of demonstrating to the insurance company that your son or daughter is more responsible than their peers, right? And and that can help shave a little bit off here and there. Yeah, and another thing that you can do that's in your control is you can go and sit down with your insurance agent and ask them what kind of car should I buy that would give me the best rates if I'm driving it. That's I did that actually when I was, I don't know, 23 or 24. And I went in and met with Don Sam and I said, hey, what kind of car should I get? And he gave me a short list of cars that will that are really um, positive as far as the insurance costs. And I ended up with a two-door Volkswagen Fox <laughs> nice, station nice. wagon. You know, that's actually maybe a good segue into a comment that I was going to make as well, that you need to make sure that you have the right insurance carrier. Yes. So when you do go in and you speak to your insurance uh, agent, my hope is that they are an independent agent who can help shop around because the right carrier for you and your husband, let's say, um, may be a different carrier as soon as you start introducing youthful drivers. Every insurance company has a certain demographic that they are they, they want to be most competitive in. And there are some carriers that are more competitive with youthful drivers than others. But also, some of those carriers have a policy that would say, it doesn't matter which car the son or daughter is driving, we're going to rate the most youthful driver to the most expensive car, just in case they happen to borrow the car keys and go wreck that Mercedes. Ferris, um, Ferris Bueller. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking of a couple other things. Um, number one, we, you know, we talked about defensive driving course. What about the old idea of just defensive driving? Yeah. <laughs> right? Hey, hey, son or daughter, if you're getting a ticket, that's on you. If we see an increase from the insurance because you got a ticket or whatever, that's on you. Right? That, that's and, the deal I have with my kids. It, I, I'm paying the insurance until you get a ticket, and then you're paying it. And then the second, so good old defensive driving, I, I, I think that's a good idea. And then the second is, we talked about this before, we had insurance specialist Alicia Boehner on the program a few weeks ago, and we were talking about this. And, and the old uh, thing that you can plug into your dash, I don't know what it is, where it sort of monitors your driving for a few weeks and then gives you a discount based off of that. I would do that with the kids. I would do that when you've got someone turning driving age. So great question, Carrie. Appreciate it. Hopefully that was helpful. All right, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks for being with us. On behalf of Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, all of us at KFG, we'll see you next time for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.